Welcome to a podcast with Aaron Schultz. Men's mental health matters. Live life with an outback mind. Thanks so much for joining in, guys. Episode 193 today with Darius Boyd. Uh, Darius, ex-NRL legend, played over 300 games uh, for a few different clubs and um, you know, very successful, um, you know, represented Australia a few times and you know, highly regarded um, you know, uh, player and, uh, and team member and so forth and, and really, um, really brilliant athlete uh, in general. But uh, you know, Darius has had a, an interesting journey himself, you know, sort of uh, had some challenges with his mental health uh, throughout the period. So we're going to talk about that today and um, you know, how he uh, experienced um, you know, life as a player and how he sort of managed himself as a player. Uh, and his mental well-being, uh, you know, in that in that professional uh, environment, which can be really tricky and challenging, as uh, many listeners know, listening to some of the guys that have been on and talked about their own journeys. So, um, Darius and I are going to have a really good chat today about all that, and uh, you know, sort of how it's all unfolded for him. And um, you know, I really encourage you to maybe share this with others that um, that uh, might find it helpful as well. It's um, you know, really great to have guys like Darius on to open up about their own journey and uh, experiences. So uh, really grateful for him coming along to have a chat. Uh, just want to make a special mention, if you are looking for a change in your life, or you're struggling with something, uh, I recommend Mixed Tooth. He uh, has a business called, or an organisation called The Real Shift. So they have um, a deep dive program which takes people on a journey over nine weeks to you know, unlock, um, I suppose, blockages and problems and be able to sort of move through and be able to make changes that help them flourish and th- thrive. So they have a, a deep dive program coming up in October. They run a couple of year. It's a nine-week one. So if you jump on their website, it's realshift.com. If you go to realshift.com forward slash deep dive, you'll see it. Um, if you mention the Outback Mind and the Outback Mind podcast, they'll give you a, a 10% discount. So it's pretty cheap and it's a pretty good investment in yourself if you want to make some changes because uh, believe me, once you get those things out of your road that are, that are getting in your road, uh, you can start to breathe again and start to live your life uh, really, really felt well and functionally. So please uh, support them. Also, if you would like to maybe help us out and you like the podcast, if you'd be kind enough to make a donation to the Outback Mind Foundation, we uh, provide uh, education and support for men's men's mental health in regional Australia. Uh, We only rely on donations primarily, so um, I'd be really grateful if there's anything you might be able to chip in to give us a hand. Just go to the Outback Mind uh, website, the Outback Mind Foundation, and you'll see uh, information around that. And also, if you'd like to hold an event in your area, I'd really encourage you to uh, to reach out to me. We're, we're doing wellness sessions and a variety of different things uh, in different areas, setting up men's circles and that too. So really keen to get out and help out. All right, appreciate your uh, feedback uh, with this podcast with Darius and I to support at outbackmind.com.au. G'day, Darius. Hello, how are you? Very well. Thank you very much for joining me, mate. Um, really, really grateful to... Uh, 
to have a chat to you. Um, uh, you know, uh, as I mentioned to you, I, I haven't like got a strong uh, understanding and association of, of, of NRL, but I have a really a lot of respect for guys that. Uh, you know, can put their bodies through what it needs to play at that level and be able to sort of, you know, maintain it for a long time. So I just wanted to say, you know, well done for your career and, and well done for um, you know, everything that's sort of, you know, come from it, um, you know, as well. It would have been an interesting uh, interesting 35 years for you, I would have thought. Oh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, very big rugby league fanatic growing up in the Gold Coast and, um, yeah, Broncos is always my favourite team, so uh, get a better play the games I did and achieve some of the things and you know, be able to you know, travel the world all because of rugby league um, and now still work um, in, in the game in a different aspect. I think it's um, yeah something I'm very grateful for and I hold close to my heart. Yeah, every every young fella's dream, I guess. And being a young bloke growing up in the Gold Coast, it probably would have been a different world back then than what it is now, I'd imagine, too. Yeah, it's, it's a bit different. It's not the same as I remember growing up. Um, I still get that occasionally from my wife's family and my my mum's down there as well. But that's definitely different than saying that. It's always nice to get down to the beach. Um, you know, Brisbane doesn't have one, so it's nice to get down and just you know go for a walk on the water or you know, go for a swim. And you know, it's kind of that more relaxing feel. It's um, always nice to go back home when you can. Yeah, appreciate it a lot more. That's it. And mates, um, like growing up there as a young fella, like I understand, like you, you in a single parent family and that sort of thing. And um, what was it like for you as a young guy there, like sort of coming through? Were you sort of involved with with rugby early on or other sports or anything like that as well? Yeah, I played rugby league since I was about six or seven years old. Uh, did a bit of athletics and. Uh, and a bit of cricket and other little things, but yeah, I figured out pretty quickly that rugby league was uh, what I most enjoyed, and um, I was okay. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't amazing, but I was, you know, I was decent. I thought anyway, um, yeah. and yeah, I really wanted to you know, pursue a career, and I at least give it my my best chance to pursue a career. And uh, like you mentioned, yeah, I didn't have a lot of family support, so I think you know, rugby league was that. Uh, I suppose home away from home, that second family, the mateship, and and mentors and coaches that you get uh, in, in junior sports and, and going to, uh, um, into the senior level as well. So rugby league become a bit of a goal and priority for me and, um, yeah, I'm lucky that it worked out. Yeah, put put a lot into it by the looks of it and obviously, you know, you got the rewards and um, we'll sort of talk a bit more about it as we go. But, yeah, like a lot of a lot of guys uh, in similar situations that have been on, on this podcast where they've sort of had things, you know, go a little bit uh, hate wire in their, in their youth. They've put all their energy into sport and, um, you know, sometimes uh, they, they have some, some downtime as well when it, uh, it comes to, uh, you know, your identity and that sort of thing when you sort of come out of the game. But what was it like for you back then? Like, uh, did, you, did you manage to sort of progress through the, the ranks pretty well? Were you, were you sort of on the fringe sometimes coming through or did you, did you, um, you know, have a pretty, um, pretty easy ride through into being, becoming a, prof- a professional athlete? Yeah, I mean, I made my local rep team um, a couple of couple of years uh, when I was younger, uh, but I never made you know, the Queensland side, the Australian side, anything like that. Um, so I wouldn't say I was um, you know, a sure thing by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I mean, I went to I changed schools halfway through year ten mm. uh, to go to the rugby league excellence school at Palm Beach, Corumbin. Um, again, just to give myself uh, you know, a, good, a better, better opportunity, and um, you know, rugby league was a, was a subject, so we. You know, couple of times a week um, through school and after school we would you know, do weights and, 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 and play rugby league and do other things so mm. I think that gave me a real good advantage um, but a really good rugby league coach there Bob Patterson who 
I still keep in contact now. He's a bit of a you know, mentor, role model, father figure, all that. He's amazing um, for not just myself, but a lot of young boys that went to that school. Um, and then, yeah, my last year of high school, um, I got picked in the Queensland Australian schoolboys team, uh, got a scholarship to go to the Broncos. Um, mm. I guess the rest is history after that. But, yeah, it wasn't wasn't something I thought would, um, you know, it wasn't easy for me, I suppose. It wasn't something that was um, you know, a, a, a no-brainer type thing, but something that um, you know, I felt like I worked hard and um, you know, got there in the end. Paid off for you, yeah, absolutely. What was it like to, to go into a professional, um, you know, environment back then? Did you find you, you, were, you were welcomed and you, you fitted in quite well? Was it something that, um, that sort of took you a while to sort of, you know, uh, feel comfortable in that environment? Yeah, I think I suppose the times are definitely different back then. I think I, I come into the, the Broncos in 2005. Um, you know, I was a pretty shy, quiet kid, so I probably didn't you know, make relationships or, or talk a lot, um, so I didn't probably help myself. But at the same time, I think just the culture of sport back then too was kind of um, you've got to earn your stripes and make your own way. Um, nothing was ever handed to you or, or given to you, so it's something that probably took me a little while to feel... Uh, a part of the environment and culture um, at the Broncos. Uh, they had a really high standard and culture too because of what they'd done for so many years and been such a successful club. So uh, I think it helped me in good stead and probably I'd probably learn a lot at a young age from some really quality players and, and coaches there uh, that probably you know, learned how to be a professional really, really quickly. Was Wayne Bennett coaching then? Yeah, he was, yeah. And, um, yeah, he was someone that I met, you know, um, Moving up from, from the Gold Coast to Brisbane, like I said, I had uh, Rod Patterson at high school, a very similar mould of, of, uh, of a man as Wayne, so I was lucky to go from Rod to Wayne, and um, yeah, I was very lucky to be under Wayne and spend a lot of my career with Wayne, just because, uh, like I said, he really gets the best out of you know, young boys and turns them into men, and, uh, and not just you know, how to be a professional athlete, but how to be an adult and, and you know, learn about life and, you know, um, desire and expectations and goals and you know, um, just all the important things you need to learn to be, you know, a, a, I suppose, a well-rounded human being and um, you know, Wayne definitely um, drives that. Yeah, definitely. Like my observation of him was just that, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I sort of come from an AFL sort of um, uh, upbringing and so forth. But when I did see him uh, and, and the way he conducted himself and the way he spoke, he, he, he has a real presence about him and I think he's a genuine human being. He cares about people and uh, I believe that comes through uh, with the way that he, he teaches it and, and instructs the game and, um, you know, people really look up to him. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. I think I, I, my personal opinion with coaching is, is exactly that. You've got to care and you've got to, you've got to build trust and rapport and, and um, you've got to hold, you know, people accountable you also set standards and just you really got to manage the individual and that's the whole individual it's not just the the athlete it's you know their relationships you know their their family their connections their environment you know their finances there's so many things that comes with being a well-rounded holistic you know person i guess and Mm. i think wayne really understands that well and that's how he gets the best out of his players because he cares about the whole hearted person not just the athlete yeah absolutely makes a difference doesn't it you know, we'll, we'll sort of fast track things a little bit, but um, you know, you you obviously were were pretty connected to the club and uh, and, and enjoyed your time there. Obviously, you 
had to make a move south, um, you know, to, to sort of, you know, further your career. What was that like for you? Did you feel a bit disappointed when you sort of had to leave Brisbane and, and go elsewhere or was it sort of something you sort of took on? Yeah, I was, I was very disappointed actually. I think for me, um, I suppose a young kid going to professional sports probably don't know how it, it all works. I just assume you know, once you sign somewhere, if you want to keep playing there, you just keep playing there. And um, you know, A couple of years in, I realised kind of got the, the tap on the shoulder to say, look, you're, um, you know, we probably won't re-sign you, so you might as well start looking now mm. uh, elsewhere at other clubs. And um, I was actually lucky that you know, Wayne was already signed to go to the St George Laura Dragons um, for the 2009 season and uh, told Wayne, I think I was pretty upset, and he kind of just said, look, come with me. And that's, mm. I suppose, how... Um, once our relationship started, but probably grew just because you know he run, he just put his faith in me and wanted me to run to take me take me down to down New South Wales. And um, I thought, you know, uh, well, I didn't want to leave Brisbane. It was a great opportunity. I don't need to be um, a better player under under Wayne, but uh, probably even a better person mm-hmm. under Wayne as well. And um, so glad that I made that decision. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really fortunate because. If that had been a signing, pardon me, a signing door moment, and you they exited you, uh, and you know you didn't get another contract, did you ever like consider what life would have been like then if that had possibly happened? Yeah, uh, especially the, the mindset, the, I suppose the mentality I had at that point in time in my life, I, I would have been in a pretty bad way to be honest. I think mm. um, for me, being a, I was pretty young kid, I'm probably um, probably a bit naive and um, to life and what. Um, you know, is out there and the challenges and things you do face. So um, you know, I was lucky that rugby league, you know, kind of really you know, picked me up and helped helped me along my way for a long period of time. I had some people in my life like Wayne and, and Rod Patterson, like I mentioned, that you know, gave me some guidance and some help. But um, yeah, if it didn't work out, or things changed. Um, yeah, my mindset wouldn't have been um, in a really good spot to deal with it, that's for sure. Particularly back then, you know, two thousand and nine, there wasn't the supports around that there are now, and. Uh, um, you know, um, yeah, young fellows primarily, uh, you know, when you put everything into a career and you sort of get it taken away from you, it's, it's a real identity uh, um, crisis in many ways, you know, and it's the same as with a guy in the workplace when you sort of put everything into a job and you get made redundant or whatever, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty soul-destroying, so... Um, you know, I, I can understand where you're coming from with that. And, um, you know, when you went down south, did it take you a while to sort of fit into that environment? And um, obviously having Wayne there would have been helpful, but uh, did you did you sort of integrate into that community and that society pretty smoothly, like being a, a born and bred Queenslander and sort of being, you know, not too far from home where you were brought up, I suppose, in Brisbane and, and the Gold Coast? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't an easy move, but in saying that, I think you know, after I already played a few years in the NRL, um, you know, the, the, the playing group there welcomed me um, with open arms. Um, there's another guy that moved down from Brisbane as well, so we actually moved in together, so we, we uh, had a connection already, so that made that transition a little bit easier as well. Obviously, like you said, yeah, Wayne was there too, um, which made that transition a little bit easier, and um, I did fly back. You know, to Queensland quite a bit uh, to see family and friends uh, as much as I could, which again I think also made the transition a little bit easier to get back home as much as I possibly could. Um, so yeah, I mean, while it wasn't easy, I think it really gave me the opportunity to grow uh, outside of my comfort zone and, and, and just to grow up as well. I guess I was only 20, 21 at the time, um, so I was still quite young, uh, and it was just a good way to I suppose you know, learn what else is out there and, and really step out of your comfort zone and be able to grow. Mm, for sure. 
How many games did you play for Brisbane before you went down? Um, played three seasons before I went down, so I reckon probably around 70 games, something yeah. like that. All in the first grade, like seniors? Yeah, I only play, I play um, one reserve grade game and the rest in the first grade side. Yeah, unreal. So you already had a, like a really uh, strong grounding as a player and um, you obviously you fitted into it down there pretty well and um, like comparing clubs, did you find there was much difference between Brisbane and, and an F, like an old outfit like St George primarily? Uh, the biggest difference, I just think, yeah, like you said, an older club been around um, for such a long period of time. The Dragons had a huge amount of success uh, in their early years. Um, they you know, had a really strong fan base uh, from a lot of supporters from a long period of time. Uh, and Brisbane have a strong fan base too, but theirs is you know, the last you know, 35 years where the Dragons have been over 100. So um, you notice that pretty quickly, especially once you start doing pretty well, which we did. Um, you know, probably more fans come out of the woodwork, I guess, and uh, the, not the pressure, but the expectation, the excitement, I guess, from the fans, you really start to notice that. Uh, it was really good to be a part of that because it's, um, yeah, it was exciting to see a different fan base and experience, um, I suppose, their excitement for the success we were having, uh, which they hadn't had for a little period of time. Did you, did you end up winning a premiership while you were there? Yeah, in my second year, 2010, we won the Premiership and yeah. it was, uh, I think it was 31 years since their last one. So um, I still get, it's, you know, 12 years later now, and I still sometimes get stopped here and there and, um, from Dragons fans, even in Queensland. <laughs> uh, they remember that Premiership. You know, I think when you've had you know, such a successful team or club for such a long period of time and uh, they go 31 years without a Premiership, it's, um, mm. you know, that's almost a lifetime for, for some people and, or, or they're, you know, they're, Finest years. Um, so, some to someone, some of the fans and some of the you know, diehard Dragons fans, I think it um, yeah, sits close to their heart as it does mine. Be massive, similar to the Sydney Swans, I reckon, and, and what their sort of supporters went through because I remember that that outfit that won that that flag for them, you know, uh, um, you know, really well, sort of thing. It's not something you forget uh, in a hurry. But um, what was it like for you, like to actually like win uh, and be involved in something like that? Were you were you like a drinker and a partier back then? Did you sort of get swept up in that sort of stuff? Yeah, I did a little bit. Um, when my my I suppose my early years in just first grade, uh, but I think. It was just really exciting, I think, um, to win a, a premiership and be really feel like you're really a part of it, really um, contributed. Um, I won one in my first year at Brisbane and uh, probably didn't feel like I contributed as much and felt like I was pretty lucky just to be there and be a part of it. Um, so we won four years later and playing it in a more, I suppose, um, important position and, and feeling like I really contributed a lot more. Uh, like I said, and also for the... Uh, the 31 years, uh, really to understand the, the, the drought and the, I suppose the excitement from the fans and, and what it meant to a lot of people and still does. Um, yeah, it was pretty special. Yeah, massive. So you were there for a few years and then the, the Newcastle-like opportunity come along. Was that like a bit of a, a similar feeling to what you had at Brisbane when you sort of were let go or did you sort of slip into that one pretty easy? Yeah, it was different, that one. That was um, more myself. You know, um, I always said when I went to Sydney and Wayne gave me the opportunity to, you know, to work with him and stay uh, under him, that I wanted to, I'd always, you know, I wanted to follow Wayne and, and, and I suppose pay my respect back and my loyalty back. And um, He decided he was going to go to Newcastle and he wanted me to go with him. And um, That was basically my decision. I knew that, I, again, like I said before, I thought I could be a better rugby league player and a better person under Wayne. Um, 
and so when he made the decision to go to Newcastle and asked me to go, then um, I was never going to do anything else. So mm, uh, that was my decision. And um, while we weren't as successful on the field, um, I probably learned a lot about myself uh, off the field, which is probably even more important in the yeah. scheme of my life and career as well. So you had maybe uh, maybe 150-odd games, 200 games under your belt before you went there? Um, yeah, it would have been about 150, something like that, yeah. Yeah, so you, you, had, you, you played like 300 altogether, so you, you pretty much had half your career at Newcastle, is that right? Uh, I got to the halfway point at Newcastle, yeah. And yep. then, then back to Brisbane, that's it, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell me, mate, um, obviously that's when you sort of hit a bit of a rocky patch um, <clears throat> with your mental health um, at Newcastle there. What was that sort of like for you? Did you did you feel like a lot of uncertainty, and, and what was coming up for you back then? Yeah, I think for me, I suppose uh, rugby league had been a bit of an escape from my childhood and some of the challenges I probably had faced um, early on. And um, with rugby league being pretty successful up until that point, then I really didn't have to face some of those challenges or um, setbacks, uh, expectations, I guess. So. Uh, when New, at Newcastle, you know, we weren't going that well as a team. I wasn't playing uh, to my best ability, uh, and I probably suppose uh, had my self worth attached to my performances with rugby league. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, when I wasn't playing well, the team was struggling. I was getting possibly criticised. Then, um, you know, my whole world seemed to come crashing down, and mm-hmm. I hadn't built, you know, had, had, I didn't have a growth mindset. Hadn't built, you know some really proactive you know, strategies in place to you know, deal with you know, all these different challenges. Uh, or, like I said before, I hadn't really understood my childhood and, and, and come to terms with my past. And I think these are all things that, um, like I said, I had to work out and I had to work out you know, pretty quickly. Um, so I checked myself into a mental health facility in 2014. Um, and I look back now, uh, the best decision I ever made, better than any you know, school move for rugby league or, you know, uh, rugby league decision. Um, mm. I wouldn't be in the space I'm in now. Uh, really happy and healthy, and just you know, have a really positive outlook on life, all because of that. You know that change that I made, that decision. So it was in hindsight, yeah, it was a tough couple of years there in, in different in different ways. Um, but yeah, super important for you know, my life moving forward. And, and good on you for being courageous enough to do that, mate. Because back then, and probably still now, a lot of people wouldn't consider it. You know, just sort of try and move through things on their own. But you know, was that was that something which was challenging for you to make that decision, or was that decision made for you? Yeah, it was. It was challenging at the same time. I think for me personally, I felt like you know, probably for at least twelve to eighteen months prior, I was really struggling, and um, my actions and behaviours uh, would have would have shown that as well. And, um, it got, even got to the point where it was kind of that rock bottom moment where it was that was what I you know that's what I needed and I didn't want to be you know feeling the way I was feeling or acting the way I was acting um, anymore. Uh, I didn't really know what help I needed. I just knew I needed something. Uh, so I spoke to my football manager. He put me into uh, a nurse at a mental health facility who I still uh, you know, keep in contact with and and, and uh, have a really good relationship with now. And, um, yeah, it was, it, was on, it was the start of a journey that I really needed to go on, learning about myself, you know, fixing up some challenges in my childhood, you know, working on a plan moving forward, whether it's a relationship with my wife or my, you know, my friends or um, you know, challenges around my rugby league career, uh, injuries and setbacks and, and, and criticism. Uh, there was just a whole lot of things I needed to you know, work on uh, within my mindset. Uh, it, wasn't, you know, it wasn't an easy fix. It wasn't a short-term fix, um, you know, but over 
know, years of working on you know, strategies and, and looking forward to these things. Um, you know, there's definitely been some positive changes and really grateful for that experience. Yeah, for sure, mate. Look, well, what I'm hearing there is, is you know, as I mentioned before, when, when we're young and we have these imbalances and we sort of push it aside, we work hard, but then eventually when the vulnerability comes up and the uncertainty comes up and the self-doubt, then all that sort of stuff starts replaying again. And, uh, you know, it's really common. It's really common. And, and I've had that myself, you know, a lot of the stuff that I sort of was hooked up in as a young fella. Um, you know, uh, that, that'll come back if you're, you're not mindful uh, and careful of that. Your self-doubt can really overpower things. And, um, you know, particularly someone with yourself, you really attach to your identity and being able to, you know, achieve and perform and have success. When that's sort of taken away, you know, as men, I think we really start to um, question ourselves and other people question us. And it feels like you're, you're sort of getting suffocated <laughs> a little bit, you know, but... Um, mm. Uh, my 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 vision is is to be able to you know help people learn tools so they can you know be self aware enough to um to understand that and just see for what it is you know without sort of getting too caught up in it. But it sounds like um you know you 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 moved through that process pretty pretty well. When you went into that facility, was it was it really confronting for you, or did you just embrace it and uh, and take on what they were trying to 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 to, to teach you and so forth? Yeah, it was definitely confronting. I think any time you know, going, you know, you know, when you're probably going somewhere um, to work on yourself and know, not knowing the outcome or that, you know what's what's next and and what life's going to look like moving forward, and not having any hope, I guess, um, or, or uh, something to look forward to, is yeah, definitely uh, as a challenge. But yeah, I, was, I think I went there at the right time. I was really open. And I was really honest. Uh, I wanted to get better. I was open to you know, these group sessions, group therapy, you know, individual. Uh, psychologist, psychiatrist assigned to you as well. You, know, you work on a plan while you're there to, you know, for life outside of uh, the clinic. Um, work on some you know, goals you want to achieve, whether it's back in the community, whether it's broken relationships, um, you know, whatever you know, trauma, uh, whatever you're going through. Um, and then just some really you know, key strategies and tools to you know, keep working on you know, post the clinic so that... Uh, you're not just you know working on those things while you're there in the clinic, but then you've got some tools to take with you that make sure that when these challenges and you know, setbacks do arise, which you know, that, you know they will, um, that you're you know, better equipped to deal with it. You've been proactive with um, your thinking and your mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's tremendous to hear, mate. Because you know it's a key key part of the conversation for people listening to to actually like understand when you're at the bottom of the ladder, you can slowly move from it and and and, and move out of it and. That's where a lot of guys, uh, you know, get trapped and the suicide thing starts to come in and so forth. It becomes really strong. But being able to sort of find that support, I think, which is, which is there, it's available. Um, you know, and if you're not ready for that, you know, try and find some guidance or seek some guidance from others that, um, uh, you know, particularly like listen to a podcast, for example, which can give you some ideas. And I just think if you can embrace those ideas, then that becomes part of you and that becomes your strength moving forward. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just about, I think what I always say is, you know, being part of your daily, weekly routine. So whether it's, you know, catching up with a mate, you know, or you know, writing a gratitude journal or, you know, doing some yoga or going for a run or eating some good food or getting a good night's sleep, whatever it is, all these things, they're good strategies, but they're also, they should just be a part of your you know, daily, weekly, monthly routine so that when these challenges and setbacks arise, you, you're already, you know, you're already building up this, you know, protective, you know, I suppose... Armour factor around you exactly yeah so that 
those setbacks instead of taking you know, a week to get over it might take you a day to get over or you know or might take you uh, four, three four hours to get past it just building that resilience to kind of push back and bounce quick bounce back quicker than you possibly would have before i think that's just the that's the art that's the challenge i guess yeah absolutely that that routine's really key darius and you know, two things I, 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 um, I quite often talk about, you know, two fundamental things for guys primarily is self-discipline and, and, and patience in, in this environment, yeah. you know, because this is an uncertain environment, you know, you've got to have that, that anchor, that foundation that you, you, you hook to every day that keeps you grounded, you know, because life is trying to sort of knock us out of whack consistently pretty much. But um, if you can be strong enough in yourself, um, you know, and, um, and, and really have um, your awareness around you, then you can pretty much work yourself through, you know, any challenges. And I just think that's, that's you know, really important moving forward. And, you know, with a lot of the work that you're doing is to be able to help, you know, young fellows and also men uh, understand that we've got to do this work on ourselves. Otherwise, um, you know, we do find we do get it knocked out of whack and, and, and imbalanced consistently with what life can, you know, possibly throw up at us as well. Yeah, definitely. And that's tricky, you know, because uh, it's 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 hard to um, it's hard to build routine, you know. Uh, um, you know that self discipline uh, for someone that's undisciplined is a tricky thing to do, but it just starts with a little bit at a time, and you know, just doing a bit uh, bit by bit every day, then you start to build a bit of a structure. And you know, I just think it's really important. You you would have like got a lot of self discipline out of out of sport and, and and fitness and that. Do you still have like a a fairly strong fitness routine and what do you do to keep yourself grounded and anchored now? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty structured and routine. That's something that like, yeah, I did learn from a long you know, long time in uh, in the sports industry. I just something that you know worked really well for me and I like routine even on holiday if I'm on holiday with family or the kids or whatever. I still like to know you know what time I'm going to go for brekkie and then what time I might be able to do some training and go and see a movie at three o'clock or go to the beach at 12 so I still like to be pretty routine it's just something that's mm. ingrained in me but it also just helps me in my mindset and my overall well-being I like to know what's going on and I'm not I'm not great with change so I don't like last minute changes but um yeah it's something that uh, I've probably that's the hardest thing I've found when since retiring from rugby league is just yeah, finding a new routine and um and making sure that you know whatever um, my new routine does look like, but I'm, I've got plenty of exercise um, in there as well. Because you know, for such a long time, exercise has been a part of my life, um, and it's really important not only for for everyone's physical health, but mental health as well. And, and, and I'm no different. My mental health definitely needs uh, exercise, and something that um, yeah, I make a you know, regular part of my week every week. Yeah, for sure, and that that's important, you know. What happens when we move our bodies, particularly when we move it quickly, our breath gets into a rhythm and the mind starts to settle down and then you know, cortisol in guys starts to regulate and we start to you know, feel better. And um, you know, a, lot of, a lot of us uh, obviously over the last couple of years have been sort of grounded a lot, particularly down in the southern states. And um, you know, just some movement I think is really important just to get your heart rate up. And um, do you do any, uh, any like meditation or anything else other than exercise to look after yourself at all? No, I really enjoy yoga, but I just don't, don't get, get there enough, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but I also, you know, I, always don't, I don't mind, um, you know, so I always talk about mindfulness. I always always talk about you know, listening to some music, doing some thing, things you enjoy by yourself, even just going for a walk on the beach or just, again, you probably tick the two boxes there as well, but getting some exercise, you know, just being there with your thoughts, listening to some music, whether it's 
know, country music or you know, some pump-up music, it doesn't really matter, just something that you can kind of really enjoy and, and, and just zone out, I guess, is important and something that, um, you know, well, I do I enjoy yoga and I've always found that to be really great. Um, you know, anytime you can listen to music or get away with your thoughts, um, it's always nice as well. Yeah, for sure, settle the mind down. That's... Uh... It's, uh, it makes yeah. a difference. And, yeah, the, the physical practice of yoga opens up, up your body, but it also helps, you know, settle the mind down too. It's, and, you know, being a human is not easy, you know. We're, we're sort of we're, – we're, we've got to regulate ourselves, otherwise we get thrown out of whack. And, um, you know, uh, I just think it's important that we have these sort of structures and routines in our day. And it, it, can, it can just start with a little bit, but if you do it regularly, it becomes a habit. And, you know, you start to take control of yourself, and that's really what – what we want we want people to sort of start to be more um you know uh, connected to their well-being rather than disconnected and outsourcing and i think at the end of the day it's it's available to all of us if we just sort of start with a little bit of it i guess is really important yeah i agree i think that's what you said it's about making making it a habit and something that if you had a habit for 20 or 30 years you know they're obviously harder to break um but at the same time the more you do these things and like i said make them part of your daily and weekly routine, they, you know, they start to become a habit and, um, and you'll find, you know, your happiness and, you know, quality of life starts to improve and then all of a sudden, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an easy habit to maintain because you know how important it is and um, you want to prioritise, you know, those things because they make you, you know, overall the best version of you. Yeah, feeling feeling better and that's what we're here for. We're meant to be happy and healthy rather than bloody the other way, you know, so it's... It's uh, it's uh, something we've got to do, you know, to be able to commit to ourselves on a daily basis. What do you have in your life at the moment as far as habits that you'd like to try and break? Oh, good question. Probably... Um, Coffee? No, nah, I'm pretty good. My, my wife actually um, did this fitness challenge and... The first week of it was about getting off coffee and, and then getting back and then starting having decaf coffee. So I actually I said I'd do that with her, um, and that was over twelve months ago. So I, I still have decaf coffee now. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good with coffee. Now my point, my worst one's probably I have three kids. So by the time they go to bed at seven seven thirty and I've had a busy day, I just want you know I know some downtime. I probably go to bed too late. To be honest, it's probably just. Mm-hmm. Sleep routine, sleep cycles are probably just um, depending on what I have the next day. But yeah, probably going to bed too late uh, and having probably screen time on my phone um, too much in bed as well. It's probably something there yeah, that I probably need to be better with. Yeah, all right, mate. There's a challenge for you. Uh, <laughs> Forty days with no no phone in bed. Nothing's that important, but it uh, yeah that that's that, that can be an addiction in itself, you know, same sort of thing, you know. But just just getting away from that stimulation is really important for our mental health, I reckon, you know, just to yeah. to give your mind a rest and start to to turn inward rather than outward. I think we turn outward a lot, and um, yeah, that that can be a real trap, partic- particularly for young fellows, you know, because that's all they've known. You imagine some of these young boys coming yeah. up to the uh, NRL now, like. They've had digital devices in their hands since our little kids. Like you and I are probably pretty lucky we didn't, you know. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. It's something that um, yeah, I think it's definitely uh, an area of concern there, you know, in, you know, in society today that we need to be mindful of with um, you know, social media in particular. It's um, it's something that can be yeah. There's obviously some benefits to it, but um, I think you know, the, probably the negatives outweigh the posi- the positives and. Just being that, yeah, being mindful of these things and, and limit just limiting your time, whether it's you know, screen time or whether it's you know watching the news because the news can always be quite you know, negative as well. Just limiting you know, your time around certain things that are probably negative and trying to focus your energy and, and putting your environment 
more positive things, then I think the better off we'll all be. For sure, mate. That's right. Absolutely. Being proactive, as you said, rather than reactive, you know. And yeah, being aware yep. of it, mate. So I really challenge you tonight when it comes 9 o'clock, go to bed and just leave the phone somewhere else turned off if you, if you can help it sort of thing. So my my kids would be uh, the same. They, they'd think I was weird if I asked them to do that. But uh, eventually um, <laughs> they're, they're going to have to, I reckon. So, so <laughs> who would be the three most influential people that you've had in your life over the journey? No, that's a good question. Um, Wayne Bennett would definitely be one who's been uh, in my life for uh, 18, 19 years now. We still keep in contact. Um, yeah, we've had some good times and some, some hard ones. Uh, my wife obviously would be one as well. Uh, we've been through some, again, some great times and some and some challenges as well. Uh, but I'm in a really good space now. And, uh, the other one probably would be my grandmother. She's passed away now, but I just think, you know, in time of need, she took me in when I was 15, uh, moved out of home to my mum. Uh, my mum was battling uh, major depression. Um, so she was getting professional help, and I moved into my grandmother, and she just really took me in a time of need and you know, got me to school, got me to regular league training, and was packing lunches, as, you know, probably in her 70s, packing lunches for a you know, 15, 16-year-old kid again. And, uh, it was just, yeah, it was a really big rock and a really important time in my life. And, uh, yeah, we, we had a special bond and we grew really, really close and um, had a lot of fond memories of you know, what she did for me in some challenging times. Tremendous, mate. Um, with regards to your mum, how old was she at that time when she was sort of struggling? Uh, she was 37. Yeah. yeah, so not that much older than me now. So, um, yeah, so definitely, um, yeah, it was a challenge and something that she still struggles with now, uh, with depression, but... Um, yeah, I, I was. You know, I learned a lot over the years of uh, what she obviously was going through, and, and my own battles with my well-being, mental health, and I um, mean, even seeing her today, you know, struggles she still has. Um, yeah, I've learned a lot, but also I suppose I've learned you know, a lot of you know, compassion and empathy, and uh, I just I guess a lot of. Um, it's really nice to see now. Uh, I've got a, a couple of young kids, and to see her be a grandmother and see a smile on her face, and um, she did a great job until I was fifteen, you know, looking after me and did the best she could and mm. um, you know, we've been able to rekindle our relationship and, and, and reconnect and it's, it's, it's been really nice. Yes, absolutely. And you're the only child? Yeah, my only child, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know I'm the same pretty much and uh, it was tricky, hey, like you're coming through on your own and you come out the other side and particularly in those teenage years it can be can be difficult but I, I believe, you know, all young fellas can do with a mentor uh, you know, in some way, and you're probably lucky you had that when you got to, you know, Palm Beach, Corumban, but, um, you know, I just reckon if we can help, both, both fellas young and old, you know, like there's, there's a lot of guys in their 30s, 40s and beyond that are sort of, you know, unsure and self-doubting and that sort of thing, but to have someone in your life that you can actually communicate with and talk to, I think is really important. Is that something you'd like to do more of in the future? Oh, definitely, yeah. It's something that I'm, I'm pretty passionate about. And I, I agree. I, I agree. I think, you know, when I think about, you know, life and, you know, whether, you, you know, no, no one has all the answers, whether you're struggling with your mental health or whether you just need some, you know, financial or <laughs> relationship advice or whatever you might need, you know. That's why, you know, tax time, we always we go see an accountant, you know, go buy a house and go see a real estate agent. You, know, you go see all these different professionals in their industry because they're a professional in their field. So, you know, if, if you need some... Um, non-judgmental advice then why wouldn't you go see someone in a certain field whether it might be with your well-being and mental health but why wouldn't you see someone to you know, give you some expert advice in a certain uh, a certain 
area. So I think it's uh, yeah, really beneficial to have, like you said, a mentor or someone that can you know, guide you in the right direction to give you some of that yeah, really important advice. To speak to regularly. And that's the thing, we, we sort of spend too much time between our ears, but when you're able to... Uh, you know, speak to someone openly and honestly and, and from your heart, it can really help you. And I just think, um, yeah, that's what we've really got to, you know, start to, to uh, help people understand that, uh, you know, it's important to communicate. We're meant to be, you know, communicators. We're not meant to be isolated so much and to have people around us which can really support us, I think, is um, is really important. So I really encourage you, you know, to to, to, to look more into doing that um, in the future because, you know, you get the, the ability to be able to help a lot of people through your own experiences, I believe, you know, and, um, and that, that's so much more powerful than, um, you know, than, than having a, a career that's paying you lots of money. If you can, uh, you can uh, give something back and, um, you know, help people learn from your own experiences, um, it's, it's definitely uh, worthwhile. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. It's something that, um, you know, I'm doing a primary counselling at the moment and um, some well-being studies too. So I think it's something that I, I definitely want to, you know, get more into that space. And I only have to think back to my own, you know, childhood and um, challenges. You know, I, I really needed support and didn't have a lot around me and probably took a long time to um, trust and let some people in that could actually help me and then find the right help. Um, mm-hmm. So if I can, you know, be that help and support for someone else, um, then, yeah, I'm more than happy to. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So what are you doing? You're doing a bit of work with the footy club again now and uh, that's sort of keeping you busy? Yeah, so doing uh, some positional coaching just a couple of days a week. Uh, I'm doing a bit of work in, in, the, in the Broncos community space as well. Uh, so it's a bit, of, a bit of resilience workshops through schools and a bit of ambassador stuff as well. So yeah, it's a few things keeping me busy and then uh, on the side, I'm, like I said, doing my studies and got a couple of kids and uh, a few other things so it's yeah it's all it's all happening but it's um, keeping me busy really i think i've transitioned well out of out of sport uh but, you know, good understanding of you know where i want to go and what's next and um yeah excited for the future no uh no clubs have been trying to pull you out of retirement like no no sort of second tier clubs or country clubs or anything like that no, I just I, I, people ask me that a bit. What do you do to keep active? Do you still want to play? You know, I just uh, I just don't feel like I have the time. You know, like I said, with work and study, and then a couple of kids, and my oldest has started doing. You know, she's playing sport now, soccer and mm. gymnastics and nippers when summer season comes around. So it's just yeah. to find extra time to, to try and play uh, play sport. I just I couldn't find it. But in saying that, you know, obviously if it was. A, I'm still doing the training, you know, whether it's just some weights or runs or walks with friends or um, you know, playing soccer with my daughter, whatever it may be. I'm still doing that stuff, which keeps me active, keeps my mindset on point because I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't, um, you know, stop the, the the exercise or the, you know, the, the activities if it was, um, you know, can be detrimental to my well-being. Yeah, absolutely agree, mate. It's important, you know. One, one thing with me years ago, Darius, I used to like be pretty fit. I still look after myself and I, I do train physically every morning and I do meditation every morning. But I was, I was like at a pretty high level. But, you know, I just had, had a realisation that what do I need to do to make myself feel good without putting my body through hell? <laughs> you know, because I was training pretty mm-hmm. hard. And then I actually went and learned meditation because... Um, that actually really challenged me on a whole new level because I had to sit still, and um, yeah. <laughs> and you're probably a lot like me, like to you know you're pretty active sort of a fella and like to move about. But 
Proceeding still was 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 the biggest challenge I ever I ever faced it and and yin yoga as well yin yoga is like holding the body, uh you know open for for long stretching and that and you know when your mind's wanting to take you somewhere else real quick, um I just had to let go and and you know, uh I I knew then that um my well being would be okay and safe if I learned that because if I did get myself injured through fitness then I could probably you know fall into depression pretty quickly you know. Um, if, yeah. I, if I had that taken away from me so it's important I, I believe to have a balance you know to, to make sure you, you, you got the, your awareness around your, your mind and how it's working and that um, you know if you've got something in your life which is your, your real anchor to have a, um, a backup plan too you know uh, otherwise um, when we get that taken away sometimes we hit drugs and alcohol to keep ourselves feeling good but it's just a mask I reckon have you, have you had any tra- dramas with that sort of stuff as well? Oh yeah, I think I think the point reminder to remember is just everyone's different. So I think different things work for different people. So the thing is just finding out what works for you. You know, like you said, if it's meditation instead of you know training or you know, being, you know going for walks or you know, whatever works for you, there's so many different strategies there that you know different things work for different people, and and some things will work for others that don't work for somebody else. So I think it's just finding out you know what works for you, whether it's you know, family time or you know. You know, doing some study or doing some extra, you know, uh, work towards a goal or, you know, going to the beach, whatever you enjoy, just doing those things as much as you can because the more you enjoy things in life, then the more you're going to enjoy life. Yeah, absolutely. For sure, yeah. Just just find what it is that makes you feel calm and settled, you know. That's that, that's important at the end of the day. So, But, uh, yeah, yeah one, one thing for sure is to leave the phone uh, out of the bedroom <laughs> After nine o'clock, <laughs> if, you can, if you can help it, sort of thing. So, all good, mate. I've been a ple- been a pleasure, mate. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, hopefully, uh, can anyone follow you on Instagram or anything like that if they want to see what you're doing? No, I don't have social media, so it's um, one of my most probably well being strategies or plans. It's just something that I haven't had. Yeah, for I've never had it to be honest. Um, and, and yeah, so it's something that um, I don't. Um, yeah, just for me personally, because um, yeah. I suppose it's quite refreshing not to have it, and I wouldn't be that great reading um, you know, or following negative things or comments. Um, yes, it just works well for me. So it's um, yeah, can't follow me. I've got LinkedIn. That's the only thing I do have since I yeah. retired. I've got LinkedIn, but apart from that, yeah, um, yeah, no social media for me. Yeah, amazing, mate. That's really good that you got that awareness, you know, and uh, you don't need it, as you said. So. Um, so yeah, there's a big thing in that, and there's a lot of people that are using it that um, are trying to get off it. You know, so if you're not on it in the first mm-hmm. place, it's not a not a bad thing. So, mate, really grateful uh, for the chat, and uh, yeah, I think your best is yet to come. You know, there's plenty of good things um, you know uh, ahead for you with regards to you know what you're doing and, and helping others through your experiences and so forth. So uh, yeah, mate, the next uh, 35 years and beyond is going to be pretty awesome, I reckon. So uh, you know, congratulations on on where life's taking you so far and, you know, really look forward to the journey ahead. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks for the chat and definitely excited for the future.